It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Another shocking twist in the aftermath of the Ibrahim Ali trial. Global News has learned the teen murder victim's father was arrested in connection with allegations of a gun taken into the courthouse on the final day of trial. Our Ramina Dea joins us live with more. And Ramina, we're also hearing from the victim's brother for the very first time. Very first time, Chris, since this trial began. He's been waiting to talk for a very long time in order to get the voice of his family out there. His name is protected by a publication ban. And while he had harsh words today for the defense and what this trial has done to his family, he also spoke of his gratitude and relief with the guilty verdict. I want to tell her that we love her, we miss her, and nothing will ever fill the void that she left when she was so brutally and suddenly torn from us. But we hope that she can find a modicum of peace now, knowing that we caught the monster that did this and found him guilty for his heinous crimes. Heavy security inside the courthouse today, a metal detector and armed police and armed sheriffs. The proceedings in a high security courtroom for the first time since the trial began back in the spring. Early this morning, before the start of a media court challenge, which is subject to a publication ban, Global News learned the teen's father had been arrested and released with conditions. He's not supposed to have any contact with counsel for the accused, and he must stay away from the B.C. Supreme Court. Now, Vancouver police will only say one man has been arrested and released pending further investigation. No charges have been laid. On Monday, though, VPD did tell us that they were investigating an allegation that a gun was brought into the courthouse. No other details were provided. But in a sworn affidavit, Ibrahim Ali's lawyer, Kevin McCullough, said police told him a Glock firearm was brought into the courtroom last Friday and there was, quote, an intention to kill. That was the day a jury found Ibrahim guilty of first-degree murder. Well, Ramina, one of Ibrahim Ali's defense lawyers, Ben Linsky, also spoke out today about being the subject of those threats. He did, Chris. He had told the court that there had been, um, well, counsel had told the court that there had been a litany of death threats. And can you imagine what would have happened, they said, if... The verdict had gone the other way and Ali was found not guilty. They have concerns for themselves and their family. Here's what Ben Linsky had to say. With the type of vitriol, uh, the type of threats um, that we've encountered in this case, um, it's quite shocking. I'm very disturbed um, and I'm disturbed as a, a member of the justice system, participant in the justice system. And I am personally fearful. Um, we have a safety plan. We've been talking to the police daily. Now, Chris and Sophie, defense has filed a notice of appeal. They want a new trial. They're citing 25 grounds. So this case is far from over. Back to you.
No doubt. Okay, thanks very much. That's for me today, our reporting. And the arrest of the victim's father for allegedly taking a gun into B.C. Supreme Court has raised questions once again about the lack of security at the Vancouver Courthouse. Kristen Robinson reports. Anyone entering Vancouver Provincial Court at 222 Main Street, subject to search. At Surrey Provincial Court, visitors' bags are also checked for weapons, a metal detector mandatory. But at the Vancouver Law Courts, visitors can walk in any of the entrances unchecked. Despite this sign, bag checks and metal detector screenings are not standard procedure. On the last day of the Ibrahim Ali trial in BC Supreme Court, a gun allegedly taken into the courthouse before a jury found him guilty of first-degree murder. We've had some issues with respect to the funding of sheriffs. This shows the importance of funding properly. Last month, Catherine Shen was sentenced to 12 years in prison for attempted murder after she stabbed a rival in a B.C. Supreme Court room. Before the bloody attack in May 2021, Shen was able to enter court carrying a hammer and fish knife in her purse. The only safety check required was COVID-related. I trust the sheriffs. I trust the police. And I have faith that if there's a credible threat, they will look after me. If they can't, then we have a severe problem threatening our democracy. In 2022, the BC General Employees Union, which represents sheriffs, said it had been fighting for more than 15 years for mandatory screening at the law courts. Having an excuse to not do something leaves us open and potentially at risk of something far more tragic happening. We asked the Attorney General if the province will mandate security screening at all courthouses. We work with an independent judiciary, so all of our, our decisions about courtrooms are made together to figure out what safety concerns they have and also protecting um, the need to make sure people see it as a public space that's welcoming and opened. There are 28 BC Supreme Court locations and 42 staffed provincial courthouses. Just four of them, Vancouver Provincial, Downtown Community Court, Surrey and Abbotsford, have full-time controlled access points with search gates at the main entrances. Kristen Robinson, Global News. BC's police watchdog has been called in to investigate an incident in Kitimat in which a suspected car thief was shot. RCMP say the suspect was trying to evade police and was seen driving a stolen vehicle up onto a sidewalk near a school Monday morning, narrowly missing a woman with a child in a stroller. The suspect was shot by an officer and suffered non-life-threatening injuries. He's now charged with dangerous driving and assaulting a police officer with a weapon. The IIO is investigating the actions of the RCMP officer. Dozens of people living in an RV encampment in Chilliwack have been given until the end of January to find somewhere else to live. As Grace Key reports, the muddy land it sits on needs to be cleared to help prevent future flooding. Um, there's not too much a person can do down here. Uh, for the reason most of the trailers are a little old. For the past year, Rory Lavalley has been living in his trailer near Island 22 Regional Park in Chilliwack. He's one of about 90 people who have been told to vacate Schwai Village Reserve land by the end of January. You know, you've got to have some kind of passion for the people down here because we are just normal people, you know, some of us work, some of us don't. Uh, so it's been a little tough. We're trying to do this in the most compassionate and, 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 uh, and, and carry away. I mean, we've been speaking. We've been speaking with these folks uh, 
uh, a lot of these folks since the uh, beginning of summer. We been in there again in August and we're making them aware. BC Housing has been funding outreach teams who have been regularly helping people here with housing. They've been working on next steps, adding BC Housing is working with the City of Chilliwack and our partners to confirm locations for several new shelters and supportive housing projects. As for the land, it needs to be cleared to make way for a future dike. This flood protection and dike building is going to benefit not just my First Nation and my neighboring First Nation, but the Chilliwack City and all of the Fraser Valley. So it's very important that uh, we, we, we proceed with this for the, uh, you know, for the, the betterment of the whole community and the region. Some have been living in the encampment for five or six years, but recently it's grown. It has gotten out of hand, way out of hand. It shouldn't have gotten like this many people here. It should have just should have stayed just the way it was. Six or seven trailers and that was it. Six or seven trailers that have now grown to more than 50 along with abandoned vehicles and boats. All need to be cleared for flood mitigation. Grace Key, Global News. City of Surrey is launching a campaign to educate the public about the cost of transitioning to a municipal police force. But for a mayor so concerned about saving taxpayer money, some are questioning the half-million-dollar price tag for the ad campaign. Janet Brown reports. Oh, the public needs to know uh, what this is all about, what this NDP police force is going to cost them. Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke says about a half million dollars is being spent on an education campaign, which includes billboards, flyers and social media posts, letting the public know how much the province's planned police transition will cost. We keep hearing from the public that they don't know the cost. Well, we're going to tell you the costs. We're telling you the costs on billboards and we're going to send you a note right to your, to your household. Here in Surrey, along busy 176th Street in the parking lot of the Cloverdale Arena, if you look a way up, this is what you'll see. The city says the Surrey Police Service will cost Surrey taxpayers $464 million more over the next 10 years compared to keeping the RCMP. It also warns of a double-digit tax increase and it says it will mean less money for city infrastructure. Half a million dollars seems like a bit much to me. didn't make any sense to educate now people about the transition. Well, it raises a lot of questions. Safe Surrey Coalition Councillor Doug Elford says the ad campaign is a waste of money. Why are we doing this when really it is uh, fighting a campaign that is really the decision's been made for the SPS. Former Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum has issued a statement which in part says after wasting millions in a fruitless endeavor to keep her election promise, Mayor Locke is now putting more money into partisan attack ads to deflect blame for her own failures. This is not only unethical, but a blatant misuse of taxpayers' money. Back at Surrey City Hall, the mayor insists the public is behind her to try and keep the RCMP. Every day I'm out in public, I hear people say to me, stick to your guns, Madam Mayor. Both the RCMP and Surrey Police Service declined to comment on the so-called education campaign. Janet Brown, Global News. 
Vancouver City Council has approved an amendment to increase next year's police budget at an amount higher than staff's recommendation. The VPD is now set to receive a budget increase of roughly $32 million for next year. That is up from the $30 million budget increase that staff had recommended, but still below the VPD's full request of $36 million. So the total cost of the 2024 police budget now sits at nearly $412 million. Councillors are currently going through the city's draft budget and are expected to pass it soon. It includes a proposed property tax increase of 7.6%. Owners of a popular Vancouver restaurant are hoping an online fundraising campaign will help them stay open. Like many businesses, the ongoing impacts of the pandemic, staff shortages and repair bills from vandalism are making it very difficult to keep the doors open at Finch's Tea House. Alyssa Tebow reports. From the street, a large wooden panel covers Finch's Tea House, blocking a newly broken window. On Saturday afternoon, somebody smashed it. Someone was just walking along the street and he stopped, smashed the window and dude just kept on walking. And then people get frustrated. For owner Cheryl Matthew, it was the last straw after a difficult few years, with nine window breaks in a short space of time. 16,000 in the last 18 months. And yeah, that's for the nine windows of all different sizes. Vandalism costs combined with increases to rent, wages and food costs and trying to rebound from COVID all mean the business is about $90,000 in debt. This week, Matthew finally made the decision to launch a GoFundMe, asking customers to help. It feels like we fed half the city over 20 years and Finch's seems to make people happy. It's another example of small businesses struggling to get ahead. Mexican restaurant Tacomia closed the doors on all three Metro Vancouver locations this weekend. The owner telling Global News in an email, we are very sad to close, but unfortunately this is now at a point where everything keeps going up and we just can't continue operating. Issues of window breaks have been plaguing downtown businesses since the start of the pandemic. I'm very sorry to hear about what Finch's Tea House is going through. It's a, a spot I personally love. At the end of October, Jobs Minister Brenda Bailey announced a program to help small businesses with vandalism costs. Applications opened three weeks ago and Bailey says more than 750 businesses have applied, but the money hasn't been paid yet. We understand that urgency and we really do want to provide the support that's needed. For so many small businesses trying to keep the doors open, vandalism is just one challenge among many. And Matthew says crowdfunding is a last resort. It's been a lot for a few years. Yeah, I feel like I've barely seen my kids for three years. So it'd just be very appreciated and then we can stick around. Alyssa Tebow, Global News. And the owner of another small business is speaking out against government red tape getting in the way. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the Vancouver bar owner says BC's liquor laws simply don't make sense. And if they don't change, it might be last call for some establishments. Known for its somewhat secretive location and specialty cocktails, Lao Wai is one of Canada's most interesting bars. Serving one of their cocktails, though, can be an interesting and frustrating experience. Some of these have taken up to three months to arrive. Owner Lewis Hart says the process to obtain the specialty booze he needs is cumbersome. And according to BC Liquor Laws, anything he sells, he needs to order by the case even if he only needs a single bottle. 
he can use government liquor stores, but most don't stock the specialty items. There's been times where we've desperately needed product and I've driven up to Whistler just to get it. And the stores that do stock what he needs are off limits. It's illegal for restaurants and bars to purchase directly from private liquor stores. I just want to be able to go to a liquor store and say, here's a bottle, let's get going, let's make some money on a Friday. I will, it shouldn't take me eight weeks to make a classic cocktail. Because we have over 70 different kinds of vermouth. The government liquor store, it's like nine. At Legacy Liquor in Olympic Village, the store has gone out of its way to stock items that are unique. All of this product is sourced from the liquor distribution branch or from licensed distributors. The only thing that we're doing here is making sure that the BCGU touches the bottle three times instead of just twice. The LDB says the government looked at allowing private stores to sell to retailers as far back as 2018, but it wasn't ultimately acted on. Those rules were reviewed last year, but in a statement says no changes were made to the current model. You know, red tape regulation and chasing stuff like this is just a killer for small business. This is more than just an inconvenience. Hart says he has cases of extra product. It might take months to sell, and there is cost to carry all that extra inventory. Added on to other red tape and regulation, this one more expense, potentially closing the door on businesses that can't make ends meet. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The big BC place upgrade. The stadium needs major improvements to be ready for the FIFA World Cup in 2026, from VIP suites to better concessions. What it could cost, next on the News Hour. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. on Ray Street. One man's mission to make it the merriest Christmas ever. And a bit of a lull in the season of giving at London Drugs. How you can bring joy to seniors by stuffing some stockings a little later. Right now, though, the FIFA World Cup comes to North America in 2026, and BC Place will be one of just two stadiums in Canada to host matches. Between now and then, the aging stadium is going to need a string of upgrades to meet FIFA's requirements. And as Richard Zussman reports, the focus now is on getting that work done and paying for it. To full city of Vancouver. When Vancouver welcomes fans and some of the world's best soccer players in 2026, BC Place is set to look a little different. The BC Pavilion Corporation issuing a request for proposals suggesting some changes. In 2024, construction that would include adding VIP suites and hospitality space, concession upgrades, washroom renovations and elevators. For 2025, the construction expands to include a banquet room and lounge, dressing rooms, a merchandise store, a premium entrance and connecting the stadium to the park hotel and casino. FIFA has a lot of requirements as you probably have guessed. 
The BC government still hasn't signed off on these changes. BC Place has already gone through a dramatic change, including adding a retractable roof, a gutting of the seats inside, and seismic improvements following the 2010 Olympics. Those changes cost $514 million. These changes are expected to be far less, but must be approved by the province although the totals are still unknown. We already know that if we go by the province's numbers, this is going to cost taxpayers about half a million dollars per minute of playtime just hosting the World Cup. Last year, the province estimated it could cost a quarter of a billion dollars, with $40 million budgeted for venue improvements. The big number also includes security costs and replacing the turf field with natural grass. Hosting, again an estimate, could bring in up to a billion dollars in tourism money for the city and the rest of the province. The province says before it agrees to any change, they need to ensure that it has long-term benefit to the province. We're also interested in what other type of facilities around the city and the province are going to uh, prove to British Columbians that this was a good investment. The BC government set to provide further updates earlier next year to avoid fears world-class events lead to world-class costs. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Between Lions games and Whitecaps games, concerts and events like the Home and Garden Show, BC Place hosts more than 70 events a year. The stadium is occupied more than 245 days annually. Pre-pandemic numbers from 2018 found those events generated more than $165 million in economic activity and drew visitors to B.C. from all over the world. Just ahead, a new approach to carbon capture and storage. The Earth acts a little bit like a very large soda can. B.C. researchers explore a soda pop-like solution to limit climate change. But first, transforming the site of an old sawmill. Grand plans to build something special in Port Alberni. A piece of Port Alberni's industrial past could soon be transformed into a waterfront urban oasis. The city has selected a developer to turn the site of the former SOMAS sawmill into a modern mixed-use development. And as Kylie Stanton reports, planners hope to make the waterfront the place to be. Piece by piece, buildings on this 43-acre waterfront property are coming down. Out with the old. The shabby looking. In with the new. Looking forward to progress. And it's been a long time coming. Operations here at the former SOMAS Division Sawmill were curtailed indefinitely back in 2017. The city of Port Alberni later purchased the site for a total of $5.3 million and the planning began. We from the start put out kind of a, a, a few sketches and a vision of what we'd like to see on the site and really just a master plan, intentionally planned community and um, that is what we are working towards still. So we specifically looked for a developer that not only shared that vision, but that had a history of really creating something similar to that. Of the 16 responses from organizations and developers expressing interest in the project, the city selected Matthews West. We're really looking forward to uh, the master plan and putting together the broad strokes as to what that will be. But, you know, we do know that that's going to include um, public access to the water, and that'll be a prominent component, uh, and it will be a mixed-use development. The company also developed this site in Squamish, working closely with local First Nations to help guide the process, a practice Matthews says has proven to be invaluable. 
just as the First Nations are the past, they are the future. And so, you know, we're we're thrilled to bring the Hupetjaset and the Seychat Nation uh, into the conversation, the dialogue as we start putting together these plans. Demolition and remediation work is expected to be complete this spring before the master planning gets underway, at which point the public will have a chance to have their say. Well, it would be nice if there were some nice restaurants there, uh, nice garden spaces. This is what Port Alberni needs. So, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Well, science tells us the key to reversing human-caused climate change is to reduce our use of fossil fuels. But capturing carbon from the atmosphere and sequestering it deep underground could be part of the solution, too. As Cassidy Moscone shows us, a researcher from SFU is studying whether that's possible here right under Metro Vancouver. You'd have to be living under a rock if you didn't know the whole world is working to cut carbon emissions to preserve our planet. And that's exactly what SFU researchers are trying to do, looking at storing British Columbia's carbon under the earth. Some of the results we're seeing right now uh, make me optimistic that we will find uh, opportunities there. It's called carbon capture and storage. It's happening in Alberta, Saskatchewan and other locations around the world. Storing it underground is new in BC. Researchers say they'll ultimately build a new database of what lies beneath the lower mainland and where the seismic fault lines lie. This would be a piece of rock that would be taken about two kilometres depth. So two kilometres under our feet, this would be what it looks like. And it's actually made up of little grains of sand. And where we inject the CO2 is between the grains of sand. So we're not talking about large caverns underground. We're actually talking about tiny little pore spaces. Partly government funded, the research check, is check, being referred check. to as a soda pop-like solution. SFU researchers acknowledge it's expensive and won't be a silver bullet. Climate activists say nothing can replace renewables. We need to get off of fossil fuels. We need everyone to do their part, but let's get real. This is only going to happen if governments tell industry that they have to do this. If we don't change course, the wildfires we saw last summer are going to be remembered as the good old days. We either take radical action now to change our energy system, bringing in those proven solutions, or we deal with the radical consequences of extreme weather. A dire warning the world is racing to avoid. Cassidy Moscone, Global News. Still ahead tonight, save some money for stocking stuffers. This year has been a bit of a change. We've seen a little bit of a, a decline. The Christmas Wish program for seniors that's really struggling this year. Also ahead, why Santa traded his sleigh for a helicopter today. An annual campaign to ensure seniors get gifts at Christmas is hoping for your help. That's right, it seems inflation and a slowing economy are cutting into the usual generosity of the Stocking Stuffers for Seniors program at London Drugs. Catherine Urquhart reports. At London Drugs, it has been an annual event at all its stores since 2015. Stocking Stuffers for Seniors allows customers to purchase items for the elderly, such as slippers, a scarf or a blanket. But this year, sales are unusually slow. This year has been a bit of a change. We've seen a little bit of a, a decline in tags returning. Uh, however, we still have some time. We have till December 15th uh, to, 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 to bring the tags back. A lack of donations could impact many individuals who depend on the donations. 
at an emotional time of the year. Loneliness has only compounded this time of year, so the chance to have a program that allows people to celebrate and brings a little Christmas spirit to their lives really makes a meaningful impact. Not only is it the holidays, but those on fixed incomes are struggling with record inflation. We need to remember that uh, seniors, for the most part, are more likely to be living alone. Um, they're more likely to have some frailty or some inability to get out and about in the hustle and bustle of the festive uh, season. And uh, they're more likely to be low income than the rest of us. Seniors advocates say just a little generosity can have a positive impact. A program like this, even though it may seem simple to provide socks or a blanket to a senior, can really make a big difference in their lives. If you would like to make a donation, you can do so until Friday at any London Drugs, providing a gift and likely a smile. Just to see the uh, the smile on the senior's face uh, is is it, it's, it makes my day. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, with just 13 days until Santa's visit, is that all it is? Yeah, it's crazy Not how fast it. it's coming. It is crunch time for Christmas bureaus all across Metro Vancouver. That's right, the Crime Stoppers Grinch delivering a major donation of toys and other gifts to the Christmas Bureau in Surrey. At the Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau warehouse in Vancouver, a five-ton truck was loaded with toys bound for the Bureau in Delta. While the bureaus have seen a near record level of donations this year, there is still a shortage of gifts for one group. We're always looking for stuff for teens, pre-teens, gift cards work, uh, things for young ladies, uh, young men, electronics, blow dryers, curling irons, stuff like that. Stuff you don't really think about. Everybody wants to buy toys, the stuffed animals, the stuffed little ones. Yeah, there's a need for that too, but teens and pre-teens are 30% of the client base across all the bureaus. We're lucky to see 5% teen toys, and that just doesn't make sense across the province. And of course, don't forget, tomorrow morning is one of the biggest days of the year for the Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau. The Global Morning News team is hosting the Christmas Wish Breakfast at the Pan Pacific Hotel. They are getting ready and we'll check in with them a little bit later on the news hour. But you can bet it's going to be a good time tomorrow morning. And the big man himself made quite a landing today to bring a little extra holiday cheer to families spending the festive season in hospital. Santa took to the skies in a BC ambulance service helicopter, leaving the sleigh at the North Pole, making stops at six lower mainland and Vancouver Island care facilities, including BC Children's Hospital, where he arrived late this morning after visiting Victoria and Nanaimo delivering presents. He was, of course, accompanied by one of his elves, and he'll be making stops in New Westminster, Surrey, and Abbotsford as well. This is Santa's 19th annual pre-Christmas air ambulance toy flight. And I bet you there will be a Santa sighting tomorrow at the Christmas Wish Breakfast. Yes, well. there will. You can guarantee it. Just ahead, making spirits bright on the whole block. It's um, amazing. It's so pretty. The house on Ray Street that feels like a Christmas gift to everybody who sees it. And coming up in sports, the NHL's top scorers face off in tonight's game at Rogers Arena. Twas the night before the Christmas wish breakfast and all through the Pan Pacific Hotel, 
Many creatures are stirring, getting ready for a busy show and tell. Well, nicely done. <laughs> and among Santa's little helpers, our morning show team, a great way to get into the spirit oh and uh, pile up the toys for those in They're need. Arriving right now. Hi, team. Try catch. <laughs> Hi, so on. I'm the only one That's that heard fair. that because I'm the only one with an IFP. <laughs> so they're all say? asking me what you guys said, and I don't think I can recite it. No, it's that oh, good. It's that it's good. Yeah, that good. It's that good. It's that good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're all here down at the Pan Pacific Hotel for the 36th annual uh, Christmas Wish Breakfast. Oh. And uh, Mark, Exciting. you've done this like more than a dozen times. Yeah, 15, 16 or so. Mm -hmm. It's always a thrill. This is really high energy already and it's the night before so imagine what tomorrow morning is well, going to be imagine. like. It's my first time Your and first there's no time. one here except us but the energy is actually really good. There's nothing like the first time Jason. Yeah that is true uh, and I've heard the legendary tales of the Christmas wish breakfast yeah. but you know I know the generosity of global viewers I can't wait to witness it firsthand. Oh it's and, great. Uh, yeah take us through what's happening tomorrow. Okay, well, uh, so you come by and uh, you bring an unwrapped gift or a gift card and we'll give you a free breakfast. So between six and nine, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll have uh, police with bagpipes, so the firefighters here, we've got the Go Ballet uh, and choir, so lots to see and lots to do. Mm -hmm. And just to give you guys a lay of the land of where we are, this yeah. entire area behind us is going to be filled. There's only two toys. bags, there's only two bags yeah. right now. Uh, it, but oh, it'll be stacked I mean, right up almost to the ceiling. To that yeah. Almost as high as Chris Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> even taller than Chris Gaines, of course. Six five. Yes. Never gets old. Uh, I don't even need <laughs> no, the ladder to put old. that final toy no. up okay. there on the top. So uh, also a cash donation oh. is welcome too. Uh, what are they saying? <laughs> Lower Mainland Christmas Bureau and uh, gifts teens. Okay. Gifts, teens. Gifts yeah. to teens yeah. as well. Gifts to teens. Gift cards for teens. Okay, guys, we know wait, we need to wrap we gotta go, but so it, much. Wait, it's going to be dry in the morning. Forecast plus three and no, no rain. No rain. Don't steal Christie's thunder. <laughs> okay. No thunder. There's no thunder See tomorrow. tomorrow morning. No lightning. Back to the lobby bar. <laughs> Well, I'm just—I mean, we're gonna go tomorrow morning just to see the shape they're in. I wanna—I wanna witness that <laughs> firsthand. Um, okay. <laughs> I. You know what? I, this is too funny. Um, I, you know, I have to admit that he did steal my thunder a little bit, but I—I'll repeat it because the mic was a little bit off there. In case you didn't hear. It's going to be dry tomorrow morning. It'll be a perfect morning to get out there. We're not expecting any snow. We're not expecting any rain. So you can come on down to uh, the Christmas wish, wish breakfast at the Pan Pacific. All right, starting off with a wind warning across the north and central coast. We are expecting the winds to ease as we head into tomorrow, but still gusts up to 110 kilometers an hour. There's the frontal band that will swing across the south coast, but the rainfall will be delayed just in time for you to head down to the Pan Pacific. So stopping this at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, northern Vancouver Island seeing periods of rain and windy conditions dry for Metro Vancouver and southern Vancouver Island shifting it forward into about 5 p.m. and you can see the rainfall just touching down into the southern portions of Vancouver Island and for Metro Vancouver we may start to see the rainfall develop around dinner time or just after and we are expecting snow for those of you in the interior including the mountain passes so this is tomorrow night into Thursday morning snow on the mountain passes and we still do have a few showers in the forecast for the Metro Vancouver 
Vancouver region in the morning. All right, so wind and rain for the north and central coast, drying through the interior regions with mainly cloudy skies. We're expecting rainfall to shift in through northern Vancouver Island in the morning and then shifting down into these areas towards the evening hours. So mainly cloudy, but mainly dry during the day Wednesday. Rainfall, though, by the evening hours overnight and a few showers still lingering into our Thursday. We also have a few showers in the forecast for our Friday. Tonight's center windows weather window is coming to you from Port Alberni. It almost looks like a painting or something from a long time ago in the 1950s. But this was recently. Thank you to Don Walsh. Or, sorry, Dan Walsh for that. <clears throat> used to play rugby with Dan Walsh a long, long time ago. Oh, like that, Dan Walsh? I don't know. If it is, Dan, reach out to me. Uh, there's lightning in the forecast down at Rogers Arena. That was very good. That was very good. Yes. I might have rolled my eyes a tiny Just a bit. bit. A tiny bit. Yeah. The uh, Canucks did look good beating, well, speaking of weather, they beat the Hurricanes on yeah. Saturday. But now they get the Tampa Bay Lightning, who seem to have the Canucks number. Yeah, we just can't fall asleep against this team. Um, they got some guys that'll kill you, and you know. Uh, and also, if we get a lead, I mean, it's not a situation where we can feel comfortable. Yeah, the last time the Canucks beat Tampa at Rogers Arena was 2016. Yikes. Also tonight, how it takes a Christmas miracle to transform this Port Coquitlam front yard. Bit of a clash of great players tonight in this hockey game, Squire. Actually, more than two. Yeah. There are quite a few great players on both sides of the ice, and for the most part, the Vancouver Canucks have beaten the teams they are supposed to beat this season, and that's one of the reasons the Canucks have a very prominent spot in the playoff picture right now. Now, tonight is not one of those teams. Tampa Bay is in town with most of its stars in uniform. I say most because uh, defenseman Victor Hedman is a game-time decision because of some secret reason. The Canucks say Pew Suter is getting very close to returning. Once he gets in some practice time, he'll be back in the lineup. With more on this game, let's go down to Rogers Arena where Asa Raymond is standing by. The Vancouver Canucks are looking to win three games in a row for the first time since November 2nd. It will be a tough test for them today, though, taking on a Tampa Bay team that they haven't beaten since 2018. The one thing the Canucks do have going for them this season, though, is that they seem to respond and fix any issues they might be having. Most recently, it was a slow start. They responded in a big way in their last game against the Carolina Hurricanes. I think the first period, like coming out, having a really good first period, set up the game. Um, you know, I think giving the guys a couple of days off, I think, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see how the guys come out in the first period. I th you know, we had a really good practice day. I don't know if that means anything, but I, I, I saw a little more business like today. Played all the best teams in the league so far. Um, we fared well in some and not so well in the others. It's about our, it, it, with all due respect to them, it's about us and how we prepare and how we start the game. And um, they have some talented players, but if we just play like the way we're supposed to and know we can and defend hard, uh, we've proven we can play with anybody. So I, I, with all due respect to them, it's about us today. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, uh, two big wins, I think it was there, and um, against good teams. So, like you said, trending in the right direction and um, a lot of get hockey left this year, but, you know, we've done what we've needed to do up to this part. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been the class of the NHL for the past decade, reaching three Stanley Cup finals in the last four seasons. And they'll be extra motivated this season after an early exit last year. I'm Ace Raymond, Global Sports, Rogers Arena. Okay, one more thing about tonight's game. As Chris talked about earlier, all the great players. It's going to be a matchup of the top two scorers in the NHL right now. Tampa's 
Nikita Kucherov has taken control of top spot. He has 47 points. Had a huge November. He's still scoring at a pretty good clip this month. In fact, he's seven points ahead of JT Miller, who is second in scoring with 40. The Lightning can strike, just as their nickname would suggest. And Kucherov, who has won the scoring championship once before, is the biggest lightning bolt of all. Well, I mean, I just marvel at his game. Um, probably in the last eight years, probably, you know, he arguably you could put him with one or two or three guys, you know, the, the best pressure player. Uh, well, we played him a month ago, and I thought we were doing pretty well, and then there was about five, six-minute stretch. He took over the games. It was a Kucherov show, and um, that's what he can do. And tonight is a night when the two most famous Connors in hockey will face each other. There do seem to be a lot of Connors in hockey these days, but none are like 97 or 98. And this is the first ever meeting. It takes place at Edmonton. It's kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi against Anakin Skywalker, like Yoda versus Baby Yoda. And McDavid knows that Bedard is a real contender for the crown. Uh, well, obviously his shot, his shot is, uh... Is, uh, is really, really what jumps off. Um, you know, but I was impressed just how smart he was, how skilled he is, how good he is with the puck. I mean, you know, anytime you're, sorry, anytime you're like a, a, you're a player of, uh, of his stature, you're going to have a lot of different skills, and he's got uh, all the tools in the toolbox. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert broke his right index finger playing against the Broncos on the weekend. That has ended his season because they're going to operate on that finger. He had started 62 straight games for the Chargers, but they're out of the playoffs now anyway with five and eight record. There you go. So many injured quarterbacks. So many bad quarterbacks, too. He's not one of them, but there are quite a few, it seems. All right. Thanks, Squire. All right. The Port Coquitlam Yard turned into a winter wonderland. Coming up next. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong standing by in the newsroom now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, we'll have a report on the new report cards. They're technically not called report cards anymore. They're officially known as written learning updates. And thousands of BC parents of elementary school kids are receiving one for the first time this month. Fs are gone, replaced by emerging. Now, we've known about the change for a while, but now that it's been implemented, many parents and teachers seem to be confused about certain aspects of it. Plus, the BC Utilities Commission has approved a plan that could end up lowering your hydro bill or increasing it. We'll explain at 11. Sophie? <laughs> All right, thanks, Jordan. Timing is everything. All right, it's that time of year when neighborhoods light up and put on their best holiday show, but few of them can compete with the miracle on Ray Street in Port Coquitlam. For the past 13 years, Dale Brindley has been adding to his holiday display to raise money for charity, and the crowds just keep getting bigger. Jada Rand has more on This is BC. It's been a bit busy getting ready on Ray Street the last month. Christmas takes four weeks full time with all my guys here pretty much every day. Dale Brindley has mastered the elaborate setup. It's like a Rubik's Cube. You're twisting and turning. Different stuff has to happen before the other stuff. With new additions every year. You want to look up because in each section of this roof, there's a new scene. Santa's Christmas Wonderland. So this is Frosty's Whimsical Forest. It's hard to tell exactly where this winter wonderland ends. So this is the front door of my house. 
Please do not come in. Sometimes people try to walk in, think it's part of the display. It's starting to change uh, how we live a little. Um, it's tough to get out of the house, even leave. So we got some little secret pathway we built. 13 years ago, Brindley started this with the idea of helping others during the holiday season, raising money for charity. This year we've added a QR code to our signs. You can make a cash donation, you can make a food donation. Always in motion, these holidays are. Now it's a long-standing tradition for a lot of people. We come every year. Since I was four, and I'm 14 now. With a lot of hard work and some hefty bills. No, we don't talk about that. The miracle on Ray Street keeps growing every Christmas. It is definitely getting bigger and bigger, more known, I guess, around the city. I love doing this, the passions to do this. Um, my friends and I, get, we all get to hang out together, do this all together. My family inside the, my house puts up with a lot, um, but they're very supportive. Uh, my wife and my children, they enjoy it as long as I enjoy it. Jay Durant, Global News. Well, I think we're all in the spirit now. <laughs> if you know someone who has a great story to tell, email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Our hearts wonder three sizes. Yeah, I always wonder with the people who do those, it's spectacular. What's harder, putting it up or taking it down and making sure everything is put away properly? That. that or finding storage for it all. Yeah, exactly. Where do you put that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very quick, last word on weather before we go. Okay, mostly dry tomorrow, but late day rain expected. All right, don't forget the Christmas wish breakfast tomorrow morning. We'll see you down to the Pan Pacific. We'll show up much later than the morning <laughs> crew. Good night, all. <laughs>